Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. My guest today is Fiona Eckersley. She's an author, confidence coach, and divorce recovery expert who's utilized her own journey through midlife divorce to help clients in their 40s and beyond gain confidence and blast through their own fears and challenges. She's the mother of four children and two extremely spoiled dogs. Although she's originally from the north of England, she has lived in America for the last 30 years. Welcome, Fiona. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for asking me. I'm um, a pleasure to be here. And what do you think, since you're really an expert on midlife divorce, is special about that time of life and divorce? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? How do you see it? Yeah, I think the challenge is the older you get, as opposed to getting divorced when you've been married a couple of years when you're younger, uh, that you've really, not only are you very invested in this, this relationship and this life, that when you suddenly find yourself 40 and above through all the things that you've been through in your life, this is your identity. And now suddenly it's not there anymore so much. So that's one of the things that is difficult. Often women are, um, they've been focused on their marriage, they've been focused on their family, possibly their spouse, depending on what they did for a living. It can be very difficult to get back into the workplace or get back into the swing of your career, even if you've been working, to really focus on that. So a lot of women at that age find it a financial challenge. Yeah. Whereas when you're younger, you can always go back to, you know, this, of course you can go back to college when you're 60, right? But it's not as easy. It's not, and, it, and it, it causes a lot more fears to come up. You know, if you think about going to college when you're 30 as opposed to when you're 60, there's a lot more psychological mindset stuff behind that besides the finances. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is that once you get sort of set in your life and now everything that you expected and planned for is changing and you're more having to be reliant on yourself for money and and everything else, parenting and all of that stuff, that it's it's a challenge to figure out what you're going to do then. Exactly. Exactly. Everything, all, any decision, really, every tiny decision, like, you know, from are we going to decorate the house? Are we going to paint the house? Oh, you know, which college are my kids going to go to? All of those things. You've always taken those in conjunction with someone else. And now suddenly everything's on you, big and small. And if you're not used to that, it can be um, a, a daunting task. And so your book is called Fearful to Fabulous, but I'm going to continue to read the subtitle or whatever you call that. It's Unlock Your Power, Move On and Thrive After Midlife Divorce. And what does it mean to unlock your power? I mean, imagine a listener out there thinking, well, I'm getting divorced. I really have identified as a wife and mother for the last 10, 15, 20 years. And I don't know what that could possibly, you know, where's my power, if not in those areas? Your power is really within you. You just don't know it yet, right? As I say to my clients, they don't believe in themselves necessarily yet, but I do. And I'm going to show them how to find it. It's so your power is the ability to believe that you can do whatever you want rather than 
when you come out of a divorce, you often, depending on as well the way the relationship is, I find that women often, they don't necessarily trust their judgment so much. They don't necessarily believe that they are able to, to take that step out of their comfort zone and try something they haven't done before, right? So when you when you unlock the belief, that power that you can do that, that it, it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late to try something new. You know, taking that step is really scary. That's your power. That's your ability to figure out what it is you want to do with your life and then find a clear path to get there. So imagine someone's out there thinking, well, that sounds awesome, but there's just no way I could do it. I can't do it. I can't do it myself. I can't do it on my own. How do you help people get from that negative self-talk place to a place of revitalization? Um, well, there's a lot of steps, but one of the, the main, the overarching thing is you really, that self-talk, that's what's holding you back, right? So we look at where, first of all, where does that self-talk come from? You know, and I often find that women come to me because of their divorce, but it's really everything that they've been through in their life that led them to be in this relationship in this, you know, and then to get divorced and then to end up feeling that way. Everything that's led up to that is really what's got them to thinking they can't get where they want to go. Then they have these limiting beliefs. And we look at where those beliefs came from. And then we look at the truth of who you really are. Right. So I'm trying to give an example. You know, I had a client who was a uh, she was a nurse. She'd been a nurse. She'd been a mother. She was married. She actually got two degrees in the course of all of this, found herself divorced, was now the breadwinner of the family, really wanted a promotion. And she said, I don't you know, she said to me, Fiona, I don't I don't think I can do it. I'm actually kind of even worried about my job. I feel so stressed out all the time. I don't think I can cope with all this, you know. So she didn't see this amazingly woman who who carried the family and got two degrees and done all of this stuff. So we worked on that to look at her actual achievements and where was she getting these ideas from that she wasn't capable of doing this. Um, and when you do all this, this inner work, and a lot of people, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to go through, right? So a lot of people shy away from it. But if you can do that and you start looking at all of those things, and you start to see the truth of who you actually are and your actual achievements, it just baby steps. Then you can go. So she, she, for example, went to a, a meeting at work and she'd never spoken up in these meetings. And I said to her, you know what? Do me a favor. Do you have an idea for these meetings? And she's like, yeah, of course I have ideas, but I don't want to say anything. Right. So we, we visualized it. We worked through it before she even went to work. So she went to the next meeting and, uh, I got on the call with her the next week, and, and I, could, I could actually hear the difference in her voice when I got on the phone with her immediately, like the, the, the more excitement, the enthusiasm. And I said, how'd it go? And she says, you know what? I, I didn't want to do it, but the subject came up, and I, I put my hand up, and I, I gave my idea, and it was really well received. <laughs> she goes, I just was just blown away, you know? And, and she said, even afterwards, a couple of people came up to me and said, like, that was a great idea. I wish I'd thought of that. You know, and that, just that little step began to show her that she could really, truly go for that promotion because what she had to say was valuable. That stepping out of your comfort zone and being, having that push and that support to do that, sometimes people just need that little 
that little push. Well, it's really interesting what you're saying, Fiona, because I think on the one hand, we're really worried or sometimes, and I think this is particularly true for women, but I think this is true for men as well, uh, about what the world is going to, how they're going to judge us. Right. And that we're going to be judged to be not enough or less than and all of that sort of stuff. And at the same time, we are our own worst judges, our own yeah. worst critics. And so what comes from the outside world is is often much, much warmer, nicer and more encouraging than what's in our own head. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's a societal thing. It probably is a little bit. I mean, especially not so much for younger girls. Now they have different issues to deal with. But for, you know, I'm 54, uh, 55 next week, but I'm 54 right now. Happy um, birthday. <laughs> thank you. For our generation, it's like that was kind of we were told to not be like pushy. You know, pushy women are annoying, right? We were told not to stand out. So even things like you're out and you're wearing some some cute new outfit and, and how many times has somebody said, well, maybe you don't do it, but I, I definitely did do it. People say to you, oh, that's a nice dress. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it on sale. Like you have to play down. I mean, this is an interesting mm-hmm. job example, but we feel like we have to play down any compliment that we get. And instead of just saying like, yes, thank you very much. I look great. Right. Because if somebody said that, they'd get a sideways look like, oh, wow. Right. But that's then what's wrong with saying that? Because you do look great, you know, and that's that's what we're taught to hide ourselves, as it were. And so that's why we're always scared to step up. And it's been ingrained in us from from childhood or from controlling marriage or whatever. If, you, if you're if you in a marriage where your your ideas are discounted all the time, your opinions are discounted, that's what you really start to believe about yourself. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're also available on the podcast website, which is www.divorcedialogues.com. My guest today is Fiona Eckersley. She's a confidence coach, author, and divorce recovery expert. Fiona, how did you get to doing this work? You know, I was, um, I started off being a teacher in England. I trained as a teacher. Long story, but I was teaching elementary ages. I stayed home for a long time with my kids. I have four children. So I was basically home for 15 years. And when my youngest started kindergarten, I was just branching out to do substitute teaching and thinking I should maybe do something, you know. I'd met my husband 22 years earlier, and we'd been married for 17 years. And he was kind of moody for about two weeks. And I, I'd, I'd always done something that would upset him, so I didn't know what it was. So we walked in the bedroom one day. It was a Sunday afternoon. And he said, I need to tell you something. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to find out. What did I do wrong now, right? What, mm-hmm. And he, he looked at me and he goes, yeah, I don't love you anymore, and I'm filing for divorce. And that was really the first indication I had that we had a big problem in our marriage. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, you know, like, uh, duh, I missed a lot. (laughs) But, you know, I was living my life. I thought I had a great life. I was looking after my kids. I was trying to get back into the workforce. I was was doing all this other stuff, and I was focused on other things, and I kind of missed the fact that things were not going well. But anyway, so... So that happened, and that was the end of that conversation because my eight-year-old walked in immediately, and so that was the end. And I ended up getting divorced. I was divorced a year later, but it was terrifying for me. I mean, I had no family in this country. My family for the last 20 years had literally been his. He has a very large family. It had been his family. So they all disappeared immediately. I had no support structure. I had some friends. A lot of our friends had been his friends from college or high school or whatever, so they kind of 
you know, as people do, frittered away. But my main feeling was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to support myself? And so I went through all of those things that the women I work with, I mean, I've been there, I've done it, I understand it. And I really just eventually went through all the bad habits, the partying, the eating too much, the insane relationships, and ended up at a point where I was just, I woke up one morning and I was just like, I cannot, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like this, I had that pit of the stomach feeling and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like this is not working for me. It was my kids were feeling the tension between my ex and I, you know, we'd already been through another court case. It, it was a mess. And the strange thing is, is that all of my friends would always say to me, like, you are, oh my God, Fiona, you're amazing. How do you cope with all this? You're so amazing. But they didn't know, like, the mush that I was inside. Like, I was a mess. And so I decided at that point that clearly what I was trying to do on my own was not working and I needed to reach out. And I did reach out and found myself a coach to help me and ended up going through a coaching program myself, which consequently taught me so much and led me to all different ideas that I had never really believed in before. And really through the course of all of that and the reading and the conferences and the, my own coaches, I changed my life and I became a different person. And, you know, even to the way that I handle things that come up, because things come up, I have four kids, I, you know, <laughs> things that I have to deal with in my life and the way that I'm able to respond to them rather than react made a huge difference to me. And so I did become a coach and I originally was doing health coaching and it just, I don't know, I, I just wasn't feeling it until one day one of my coaches said to me, you know, I know all about your life. Have you ever thought about working with other women who are divorced? And it was almost like somebody hit me in the head with a frying pan in a good way. It was like, bam, that is, oh my gosh, that is exactly what I want to do. And, um, and that's kind of how I got into this, this specific niche of coaching. And I love it. And I was teaching for a long time at the same time. And teaching was really honestly my passion. I couldn't have ever imagined doing something else. But the more I worked on the coaching, the more that I was like, no, this, this is what I'm meant to do. Do you think and that the so, teaching, you work that bit into the coaching? Is there a sort of a leadership part there that is related? For sure, for sure. Because there's a lot, you know, teaching. I mean, I work with younger children, but there's a lot of listening involved. There's a lot of looking at the, you know, children don't all learn the same way, right? Same with people. They don't all react the same way. So um, problem solving, looking at how to fix people's problems is a big part of what I do. So there's no one size fits all. You've got to work with who you're working with. So that definitely helps. You know, and I worked with a lot of parents when I was teaching. So so all of that, yeah, it all plays in. I mean, I guess I've always been a coach. <laughs> <laughs> so Fiona Eckersley, you know, as you're telling your story, I'm thinking about how isolating it must have been to have four kids and really not and have your whole social structure and support structure just drop away, you know, pretty much overnight. What did you do to cope with that situation and, and to create a new structure for yourself? Well, initially, <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way would I do initially? There was a lot of uh, food and wine and partying involved. So, no, eventually when, when I figured it out and what you need to do is you can't, you can't spiral down into that because that's even more isolating. You end up even more by yourself. So I looked into things that I was interested in. I went to classes that I was interested in. Um, I liked painting a lot then, so I found people who did that. A lot of what I did was 
the couple of friends I had left introduced me to other women who were going through divorce at the same time. And then they became very good friends. Meet up, you know, I went to meetups, learned about meditation through my coaching. I met a lot of other women who were interested in what I'm doing and they became really good friends. So it's really just a case of figuring out what it is you want to do and who are the people you want to have around you. Focusing on that. And you meet people because people do want to be friendly. Part of the problem with finding new friends is you think that nobody else wants to be friends with you, but what you don't realize is that everybody else wants to have new friends too. Yeah. What are some of the poor coping mechanisms, whether or not you use them or not, but that are are typical for for people facing Um, the situation? I I didn't use all of them. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) typically, you know, the biggest one is jumping right back into another relationship thinking that you need somebody else to validate you. That's like the biggest, and that is one of the biggest mistakes because you generally end up right back in the same situation that you were in in your marriage and or, or worse, right? People who drink start having that 5 o'clock glass of wine that gets to be the 5, 6, 7, 8 o'clock glass of wine and then maybe the 4 o'clock glass of wine every night. A lot of unhealthy eating habits because sitting down watching Netflix, eating a bag of chips makes you feel better. For, for most people, or I've had the opposite where people don't eat and then they become very unhealthy because they're not eating. The anxiety causes them not to eat. I think people fall shopping. into one category or the other yeah, there. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, yeah. People- shopping is a big one, even though you, you know, you're worried about money. So you go out and spend more and, and buy things to make yourself feel better, but then you're more worried about money. And, you know, even plastic surgery, like you think you have to go out and find another guy. So now you're going to go spend money on plastic surgery. Of course, that doesn't solve your problems causes more financial hardship or to just feel worse about yourself, right? Those are the main ones that I would say. And so what are the, I mean, as you think about coaching people, I want to first remind people that you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. I'm, I'm Catherine Miller. We're here with WBOX 1460 AM alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm speaking today with Fiona Eckersley, and uh, she's a confidence coach, author, and divorce recovery expert. And Fiona, I'm going to ask you right now to give your contact information, and then I'd like to hear how it is that you work with people so that they can avoid some of these poor coping mechanisms and head instead for helpful, constructive ways to improve their lives. But first, if you can give more information about your book, the website, any contact information that you have. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah, my website, uh, yeah, my website is findfabulouswithfiona.com. And obviously you can email me at fiona at findfabulouswithfiona.com. If somebody would like to speak to me, I offer a free call to chat, find out what your challenges are, where you'd rather be, and what maybe is stopping you getting there. And they can make a, an appointment with me at callfabfiona dot as dot me. So those are the ways that you can get in touch with me. So my book, uh, Fearful to Fabulous, is on Amazon. Actually, you can get it on Amazon. Or if you go to my website, you can actually download a PDF copy for free. There's a link on there that you can find and that you're able to download it for free. It's going to be in bookstores in May. I have hard copies now, but it's not in bookstores until May. That's great. And so when you're working with people, Fiona, what do you do to help them start to find their own inner strength and and recover from this divorce process? I go through this, the seven steps laid out in my book, but the, the very first thing that I really do is 
we really need to look at, because I often find people are really focused on the past, what shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? What did I do wrong? This is not where I'm supposed to be. My life was supposed to be X. And they're really focusing on the past or on what is my husband, my ex-husband doing now? I'm stalking him on Facebook. I'm doing, you know, all the things that we do. So the first thing to do is to really stop that focus and start looking at the life that you've got now and looking at with gratitude at everything that you have now, right? I always start all of my sessions with what is the greatest win that you have this week? And, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I got a job or I, you know, it could literally be something like the sun was shining. So I went out for a walk with my dog this week and I felt great. I mean, it, you know, something that you can recognize in your life that's positive is always going to anchor you in the here and now. Once you're able to do that, that's when you're able to look forward to where you want to go. Because you can't look forward. You can't live in the now and you can't look forward if you're active in the past. So, so you, that's one of the things. So you talked I, about the seven steps in your book briefly. Do you yeah, think so you could walk so us through yes, the seven can, steps? Yeah. So first one is to stop focusing on what life was supposed to be. You really need to face financial realities. Eliminating those habits that you may be using. And, and it could even be just like sitting down watching Netflix for 12 hours a day, right? Reframing emotions, that's a big one. I mean, you know, a lot of the ladies I speak to, they have a lot of residual anger. Um, and often what they don't realize is a lot of the anger isn't even focused on, on the other. It's often focused on yourself and you're not even aware of it. So releasing that anger, reframing those emotions, a lot of forgiveness, which is incredibly difficult to do, but a very necessary part of moving on. You need to stop that self-negative talk. That's something else I really focus on when we we look at replacing what you're saying, because most of the time we're not even thinking about that we're saying it. We don't even know, right? So being aware of what you're saying and replacing it with a more positive dialogue. Taking a look at how those relationships in your life have changed, and it doesn't necessarily mean just your ex. It could be your family. It could be your children. It could be your friends. And then really, once you've got all of that under control, that's when you've got your time to start looking at your goals. Okay, now is it where is it you want to be, right? What is it you want to do with your life? What are your passions? And then once you've got that figured out, that's when you can start making your pathway to get to that place. So it sounds like what you're saying is that in order in order to really look at your goals in a really open and constructive way, you have to deal with some of all of that sort of residual resentment, magical thinking, negative self-talk, and all that stuff. Yeah, because you can't set realistic goals if, you, if you've still got all of that going through your head. First of all, you're not going to believe you're capable of it. So you're not going to set, you're not going to really look at what your passion is and say, yeah, I can do that. Over the years, a lot of my clients have said, you know, will I ever repartner? And they seem really, really focused on the repartnering, even in the divorce decision, if they're the ones unhappy in the marriage and they're thinking, well, I'm going to stay because it just could be worse if I, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire kind of thing. What do you think about that? That's a big one. That's a, a lot of people. So there, I, it falls into two categories. I've got, I've got people who say like, I'm never going to have another relationship. Right. Right. Which is also not a healthy place to be. But so we work on that. But then I have a lot of people, women who say, I just, I'm so lonely. And it, it is lonely. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, I'm not in a relationship right now. It, it, wouldn't it be nice to have someone around all the time to chat to and go out to dinner with? And, but what I say to them is, you 
being in a relationship that is unhealthy for you and makes you feel bad about yourself is actually more lonely. So what we do when we're working on all of this is that you learn to have a great relationship with yourself. So you may be lonely-ish, but at least you're comfortable with yourself. It's okay to be on your own. And once you feel that you're okay to be on your own and you're ready to have boundaries and you're ready to say, this is what I really want from a relationship and this is what I'm willing to put up with, that's when you can start to think, well, maybe I'm ready now. And you can start to look around because you're going to attract a different type of person to you. Because you have a lot better sense of who you are and what you need. Exactly. And, And you're not willing to put up with the things that sometimes people want you to put up with. Yeah, and maybe even recognize them earlier on. Yeah, well, you also don't... I I think there's a difference in the type of people you attract in the first place, to be honest. I always say it's like this this, um, unhealthy, like, jigsaw. You know, their terrible issues match up with your terrible issues and you fit together great. That's that's probably true. Yeah, when you're not putting that out, those people avoid you. They're not interested in you because they can see that that's not going to work for them. All right. That's, we're out of time. Fiona Eckersley, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.